0: Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Remember to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is the third and final in our annual series devoted to our popular Meet the Nominees Feature Film Symposium. Now in its 28th year, the event is a roundtable discussion with the directors nominated for the Guild's Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film. This year's nominees include Bradley Cooper, the director of A Star is Born, Alfonso Cuaron, the director of Roma, Peter Farrelly, the director of Green Book, Spike Lee, the director of Black Klansmen, and Adam McKay, the director of Vice. Each of these talented directors were gathered on February 2nd at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles to discuss the craft of directing and the making of their films with moderator Jeremy Kagan. So please enjoy the final part of our Meet the Nominees special and listen to the five nominees discuss directing actors and knowing when you've gotten the performance. Highlights include Peter Farrelly, commending his directorial team for helping him keep things moving, Adam McKay sharing his amorphous directorial process, and Alfonso Cuaron sharing why you can't trust dailies and can only judge a moment in context.
1: Man, I, I, you said you asked a great question about you know how do you keep the, the you know that everything cool on the set or you know the tone, and it really comes down to the the ads. You know the first ad, second ad, third ad. They, if you have a strong first ad, you should never have to like get excited. Like I never, I've never raised my voice on a set because my first ad does that. He's walking around like, hey, come on, a little bit, you know. And then you know I've been talking to actors. We're, you know, giving them direction, and he comes up to me, Pete. Come on! I'm like, excuse me, I'm directing here, you know, <laughs> and I love that. I, I love that. That's J. B. Rogers, but also, you know, your second AD, your third AD. That's how you can have the scene in the furniture store and, and everything. They get to the window, and the crowd's coming by because you got A. D. S. Working in, you know, doing their job, and it is. It's not just a, you know, that's a, it's. It's a real team effort, There's and no and if you got if you've got a strong team, you know, with you. Everything's smooth, and that's what I have, and I'm lucky. Yeah. I think we all,
2: I'm, I'm so glad all of you have been making references to your ADs, yeah. because there's no question.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it.
2: There's a reason why they're called assistant, because that's our assistant. Um, but where do you position yourself? Where, are you? where do you position yourself on the set? Where are you?
1: Um... I usually uh, I'm usually at the monitor, but sometimes I'm if, if I if an actor you know needs me I'm up there, but I usually stay back. But the monitor is pretty close to where they are, and and it, you, you know I can kind of see more through the monitor. Sometimes when I'm working <laughs> with my brother, my brother's at the monitor, and I'm up with the actors, and. Then I, after each take, I walk back and we talk. And the truth is, he probably sees more than me because I'm looking at—I got camera guys and booms and all sorts of stuff that are, you know, distracting me. But he's just seeing what's in that frame. And uh, so I just check in, what's with this, and then you know, I'd come back and talk to them. But it, you know.
2: And when you want to give a note to a performer.
1: Um, how is the process, particularly, particularly if you wanted to change something? Okay, well, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I'm, and this is some, you know, I, act, I ask every actor when I'm working with them, I say, do you mind line readings? I'll ask them right up front, because I have a habit of just doing it without thinking. I'll just, oh, like, you know, what, what, no good. You know, I'll say something like that, and, and there are, I'd say 90% of actors, like, are fine or even love line readings. I remember doing Kingpin with Woody Harrelson, he just basically, how would you do it? How would you do? It? You know, all day long, I was like helping him find it. But other actors, they're annoyed by that because they're like, "Hey, you're stealing my thunder here. Let me find it." And uh, in this case, I had two very different actors. Vigo was looking. Go ahead, show me how to do it. Is that right? You know, like say it. You know, he would say, and I say, you know, uh, what, you know what? No good. He goes, and he say, what? No good. I said, no, what? What? No good. You know, and we go back and forth like that. Whereas Mahershala, I would never do that. That would get in his head if I ever gave him a line reading. So I would just discuss. You know, I, I think you could, you know, take it down a notch. Or you know, you, you seemed angry there, and I don't think you should be. You know, okay. You know, I, you know, talk him through it. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, you, you know, it's rare that I give a line reading, but I like it when I have to. When I, I, I but I, but I won't if it's going to get in a guy's head. And I didn't know that until like probably my second movie, where I thought line read. I'm just giving them to everybody, and finally some actor <laughs> said, "Dude, don't do that. You're, let me find it." And I thought, like, oh, "What are you talking about?" You know, he goes, "I don't like line readings." I said, "Oh, I, I didn't know that was a thing." You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I'd ask other ones, "Do you, do you mind line readings?" They kind of bug me. I say, like, "Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why didn't you ever say anything?" You know. Uh, but you I, never I worked with Robert Duvall. Did you? No, no. But I, I asked up front. I said, uh, "Do you? Uh, are you okay with the line reading occasionally?" And and most people will say, "Yeah, great." Uh, most people. Some will say, "Please." Got it. And Vigo was a please guy. Herschel was like, "I'd prefer not." Yeah, I got you. I got. You.
2: Actually, I'm interested. I I think David O. Russell, when you worked with David, sometimes would do that. Uh, uh, actually, perform for you what he wanted you guys to do.
3: And he, he has a really unique uh, process, which is, you know, cause he's writing in real time also. So he's literally writing while you're shooting the movie in a take and he'll, he'll write a new dialogue and speak it out while the camera's rolling. And so that you kind of like pick it up and then do it in that cadence. Got it. And it's kind of this wonderful uh, uh, musical quality to it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, cause and it's all about his rhythm, and that's what I love about working with him. You, you try to get in line, okay, what's his rhythm? And when it's working at its best, he lets you then take the reins, and then you actually can just start, you know, going off on your own. And, uh,
2: and when you wanted to redirect, if that was something you wanted to do, how do you approach your actors?
3: Uh, in terms of broad line readings?
2: And stuff? No, no, in terms of any, anything. Here's, here, you've seen this performance. This is a moment that you
3: want to give an, an adjustment of sorts. How do you, how do you go about uh, in, in *Star Wars*, born, you mean? Yeah. yeah um, uh, it, it, you know, it all depends. It really all depends. I mean, it got as it got as micro as um, put your head down, look up, touch your face. You know, it, it got that micro sometimes, and other times it was just absolutely let it flow. Um, it, it really depended on the actor, the scene, um, where I wanted. It, you know how can I get them into a place where they're completely out of their head and at the same time in line with the where, what I want to be excavating in that moment? And if you had
2: to do that, do you remember a moment where, oh, I know this person's too much in the head, and how, how would you get them out of it? I don't know if you
3: remember a moment, but... I it. do, yeah. I mean, um, you, know, Sam, you know, Sam was the most seasoned actor in the movie, Sam Elliott. Uh, and I think it was just... Uh, and so you never know. I love line readings, depending on who they're from. But yeah, just tell me. Just tell. I'm serving the director. Um, uh, but but say, you, there was the the last scene with uh, with Stephanie on the couch, and um, and I had asked him to come back and do the movie. You know, he had already wrapped, and uh, and so and I wrote that for him. It was originally going to be another character. So again, he's coming into this thing, and you know, and it's a big thing, and and he hadn't really prepped that before. Uh, but I knew he already had. He was Bobby. He just didn't have to overthink it. So it, I remember he um, he because of the way I wanted to shoot it. He had his he he was doing this a lot, and uh, and I just thought, ah, oh, it just doesn't. That's not the frame. And it was just. And I was just. It was a very simple thing. Just don't. Just, just see what happens if you can't touch your face, and uh, and it was beautiful. Just some sort of little thing. All of a sudden, opened up, and so when he did decide to touch his face, it was it was really something. So that was just like a little specific thing.
2: That's such an interesting issue because if you make an actor aware of what the actor is doing sometimes that can in fact start to freeze the performance and in this case it didn't.
3: No, because it felt like it was maybe compensating for some or, 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 or some sort of, it was, I, I, to me it was preventing me from getting it right into him. Got it, got it,
2: wow.
3: And his willingness to trust me on that and not go like, what are you talking about? Uh, was so beautiful and, and uh, yeah.
2: Um. Thank you. Um, Adam, where are you on the set? I know. I I did hear that. (laughs) You did have that?
4: Well, I I do the same thing I'm sure everyone does. I I, I talk to the actors, each one beforehand, and I talk to them about what way they're comfortable working. Um, If it's a scene where we're going to really be kicking it around and ripping it apart and putting it back together, I'll do the Apple box up close uh, away from the monitor. Uh, Most of the time, it's at the monitor, and I'll use the mic a little bit. Um, But once again, the trick with the mic is just to keep it cool. Like, if it ever becomes barking, you're dead. Because that mood on the set is everything, like everyone's been talking about. You just want failure, everyone to be comfortable with failure. You just, uh, I'll say it over and over again, it's just film. We'll do another take. Let's do another take. Like, who cares? That's why you're doing multiple takes. So. It all depends on the actor, the conversation I've had with them. You kind of, it depends on the scene. Um, In this very scene that we saw. uh, That was one where I was at the monitor, but I'm coming in the room a lot, talking with them, going back to the monitor. There's a back and forth. That was not Apple Box. Was the scene
2: when uh, she, uh, uh, early on, when she is accusing, Amy Adams is accusing him of being a bum, and I'm not going to stay with him. I'm curious whether that was one. (laughs) That was actually very convenient. That was
4: uh, right outside the window was our monitor. So uh, I was at the monitor, and then the window was there, and and literally could just talk to him. And we did a lot of improv in that. And also... um, uh, did stuff with her dad, with Shea Wiggum playing her dad and did a lot of improv with that. So that was one where I came up near the set and then we'd go back and then we would talk. And or Shea would run over or Amy would run over. And I mean, that's the best, right? I think we all know that when the scene is like you're back and forth with the actor, you're playing around with it, you're checking with the DP. The shot is changing as you're discovering it. It's where the scene really comes to life. And it is that thing of until the day you never fully know. And we showed up in that weird house like an hour and 40 minutes outside L.A. and there was this beautiful breeze blowing and you could see this field out the back window and everything just sparked immediately for the scene where Amy's yelling at Christian.
2: And when you want to give a readjustment or an adjustment and you actually know you want uh, something different, I don't know if that even happened here, what kind of language are you using? We're, by that time, we're... You know,
4: most of the time, I know the actors so well, I could speak pretty nakedly. Like, I could just say exactly like Bradley was talking about. Like, hey, the frame is more here. Just be aware of it. The beautiful shot's here. Uh, also, Greg Fraser, my DP, all of us are really comfortable. And sometimes I told Greg, I go, you can have them move a little bit. You're allowed to give that direction. Like, hey, lower your left hand a little bit, that kind of stuff. Um, so it all gets really familiar. Now, if it's an actor I haven't worked with before, then I'm a lot more cautious. Then I come and I talk to them off to the side. I would never give them a note or a line reading in front of everyone because I you know, I want to make sure they're protected. Uh, and I'll just go off to the side and go, hey, try to, you know, and have the conversation privately and then run two or three more takes. And then as we get comfortable, you can start to open up a little bit as you kind of read the actor. But um yeah, it's a tricky thing. It's it's once you all know each other, once the crew becomes like family with the actors, you can all speak freely. But when those new actors are coming in on that day, I mean, I think one of the hardest jobs is being a day player. I think it's really mm-hmm. hard. Coming in with those two lines, you got to hit. I was a terrible actor like 20 years ago, and I would occasionally have like one or two line parts. And it's awful. You don't get to get into any kind of groove. And I, I really admire when there's an amazing day player will kind of celebrate it afterwards when they really nail that moment and do you do anything to try to make that day player comfortable besides obviously being intimate with them yeah absolutely yeah you kick it around you just let them know they have room to fail that's always the key it's great don't worry about it we'll just keep going hey try this screw with it change the line i'll tell them i didn't write that line well try it like this you know you can mess with it do a line whatever you think of you know and you just once you start kicking it back, then they can find some sort of groove. It's, it's when they feel like they're in a phone booth and they have that like tightness to the performance, like they got to hit it in two takes. And uh, you just
2: want to avoid that always. I got you. Alfonso, where do you place yourself? And particularly this movie, where were you? Because I know the camera was yours as well, but where did you place yourself?
5: I like to be with a small, tiny monitor, as, you know, and uh, uh, in an Apple box or standing As close as close to the camera, or as close as possible to the actors. Um, I I try to avoid seeing the uh, being checking the monitor because uh, I'm interested in reality. You know, the camera is just registering that reality, and the uh, and also I have this maybe superstition that I said whatever's in the camera, I'll see many times. I can see many times after. But what is here, I'll always, only going to experience once in my, in, my, in my lifetime, you know? So I try to, to, to be part of that. And it's, at least in, for me, it's very diffi- diffi- difficult to see actors in the monitor. You know, I like to see the, the flesh. I like to see. Yes you could. didn't you, aren't you the DP on this phone? This was the, the okay, this right. is Dang the it. thing. <laughs> now in this one, the, if, I had, if I had a static camera mm-hmm. that I have checked the, the frame, I know you know everything about the frame, then I would do just as always. But you did know you that.
6: operate too? You no, 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 no no, not no, 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 no,
5: no, 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 no. No, and I'm not, you know, Galo, Olivares, fantastic operator, I'm not yeah. a good operator. <laughs> Um, so uh, I would be in a, stat- there's a lot of shots that are just static and I would be there. If it was just a simple pan right and left, uh, I would have to, I would have this time instead of a small monitor, a bigger monitor, calibrated monitor, and that was the pain because then I could be switching from watching the action, what I like to do, and then here and there because also I was looking at at the at the lights as I was, looking at the action. So, uh, sometimes I would see something I would just check very quickly. Uh, In very long dolly movements, uh, the thing is, and that I've even in, when I'm not, I I have worked with DPs most of my life, but uh, it's very difficult to be running around with your little, because either you look at what happens over there or the monitor or you just fall, you know, because you have to be running. So, uh, for this film, what we did is that we put two dollies. You know, one was for the camera, and the other one was for me with a monitor on the side, you know, so I could, I could be looking at, at both things. You were on a
6: dolly too? Yeah. In
5: that separate, separate dolly. Okay. That was just uh, uh, before or after the oh. other dolly, for the very long long dolly takes. And
2: when you want to give a note, hmm? when you wanted to give a note to your actors, What's your process?
5: Depends. I mean, in this film was very different, di- different than the other ones because as everything was about talking with each actor separately, so the other ones wouldn't know the, right, all the different variables that we were going to throw, uh, I would just go and, and, and give the specific instruction. I... Uh, rather than... I find myself bit more comfortable with actors rather than, sometimes it's practical stuff, and I get it, you know? Uh, let's do it a little faster or just uh, a little faster or just please don't go into that place or whatever. But if it's about something like performance, I rather than saying I want you more angry, uh, you know, I would tell the grandmother, you know, that, uh, that kid reminds you of your ex-husband who was abusive. You know? <laughs> I, 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 and then the way that she's going to react to something of the kid is going to be different. You know? Yep. It's, it's yep. Uh, it, it, that kind of stuff. Yep. In essence, you're not asking. As long as what you're telling is organic to what you understand that her, the character is, you know? Yes. No, no, it's not inventing things right and left just to try yeah. to get a, a... But
2: you're not asking, in essence, for the emotion. You're setting something up in that actor, propeling that character. Yeah, because that could...
5: I feel that then it's something that comes from a deeper place. Exactly. You know, it, yeah. it comes from... is it, it, part of the, the actors. If it's, if it's a, a trained actor, is the understanding of his character. But a trained actor... That understanding of his character is going to be connected with his own emotional life and how he manages emotions. Let emot- me ask
2: you about a very specific scene in performance, which is when
5: um, she is giving birth. Yeah.
2: If I remember correctly, there's no cut. Um, and this performance, her performance, I found astounding. Uh, how did you set that up? What did you say to her? What?
5: Yeah, the, um, by that time, because we were shooting in absolute chronological order, uh-huh. The, um, the first few days, Yalitza was kind of nervous, and it was it's, it's really amazing. I mean, the work of Jalitza is amazing, because very soon, yeah, and before the end of the first week, she understood everything about the movie set. You know, she understood every, the job of everyone, how the little tricks, the little, you know, that, 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 that you know, we are always doing little tricks in order to achieve things. Uh, But also, by week two, she started understanding, building up her character. And it was really amazing to see how she was really giving, creating something that it was completely different than herself, you know? And that, that was in a very instinctive, but also generous, but super intelligent way of this woman. What we did in that scene is that she, as we were shooting chronological order, we have gone to the demonstration, then uh, we have gone to the preparation room in the in labor, and the important thing is every single doctor, every single nurse, every single uh, uh, guy who pushes the stretcher, uh, 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 every single receptions in the hospital, they are that in real life. I thought so. You know, there are the gynecologists, the gynecologists, the. Uh, and, and they do that for living, you know? And, and they were actually my advisors, in the, the medical advisors and all of that. But it was the same principle in the, we were shooting in the streets, and if I was going to have a cop, the cop was a cop in real life. You know, just, there was a, a need in this film to have certain sense of, of, of realism in that sense. And here what we did is that we staged the whole scene without jalitza uh, by the inch oh so uh, and, and again i'm not a gynecologist i could Im- uh, you know i, I could invent uh, scenes and what happens and i was just saying okay what would happen mm. explain me okay and then what happens here okay and do you think we that can be this is i think it's going to be, be lengthy you you think we can compress that or Would there be a medical procedure that contradicts that so we squeeze the scene? You know, you use, and I spent pretty much the whole morning with them. We have already talked about the situation, so they were kind of prepared. And when we were were happy with the dynamic, then we would just make sure that we uh, did a a pass, but I said, let's do a pass just by positions, more or less what you think is going to happen. Because I didn't want them to start getting preconceptions and yeah. stuff. And we did that with standing. And when we were ready, uh, uh, so Yalitza knew that she was coming from, from the preparation for labor. And they were going into this room. And, uh, and then we just uh, said, okay, you know what's going on? I she says, yes, yes, I know I'm going to deliver my baby. And she didn't know what was going to happen.
2: She you know, did not know that this was going to be still stillborn uh, No, baby.
5: she didn't know. And uh, at the end, she kept on saying, I thought that you were, I, I'm so used to see how you do tricks that I thought that you were going to bring a baby from below the table. I don't know how, she said, but I, I was sure that you had a baby. And, and what happened, and it's true, is that because these guys, they do for living exactly that. Right. There's kind of like a memory muscle right. that starts operating right. on me. And they really start getting engaged in the moment. They were really performing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and actually doing stuff that they haven't done before, you know, taking it very seriously. And Angelica, she just, she just was living that, but she mentions how the thing is, and there's one scene that I cut out of the film in which the, some, the girl is talking about how much she wants to meet the girl. The, the, she, she hopes that it's going to be a little girl, oh. and that how much she wants to me. and says, I was just, when, when they told me that the baby was dead, the first thing came to me was, uh, Sophie this girl saying, I really want to, her to be a girl, and I want uh, to, uh, you know, and I knew that because I have told already, the, the girl, when in that scene is that, you want her to be a girl, and she doesn't know what it's going to be, and in this scene she receives the, the information that it's going to be a girl. So her reaction is, let's take, twa- take, take one. I tried to do three or four more takes. And I have to say, take two is amazing. And she's always amazing. But what I didn't get in the other takes was that impact, that in me, And even if, maybe if I show you two, the two takes, uh, you would say, wow, second one could work as well. But there's something about what is reality? What okay. do you have to... Because the, the first take, actually, there's some technical stuff that I was not happy about. And it's when you said, well, yeah, but even if in terms of performance, it's almost unnoticeable, the difference. Right. One is the real one, Got it. You know? yeah, I got
2: it. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Spike, where do you position yourself?
5: It
6: depends. A lot depends on location. There's some locations where you can't get up front. I try to, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm shooting two and three cameras, so I want to be in front of the monitor and it's, try to have the monitor as close to act as possible.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you want to give notes, um, what's the process? Depends you, on the actor, of course. But
6: Denzel doesn't get notes.
2: <laughs> how about his How about his son? Well, he's not Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: It depends who the actor is. Yeah, of course. You know, it depends who the actor is. So this is simple stuff, you know, I could yell it from the monitor, but this you know, more subtle stuff is something where you just whisper in the actor's ear. You know, it's not for public consumption. Because it can be embarrassing. So you don't want to, you don't, never want to embarrass. Mm-mm. Because you embarrass actors, you lost them. They're gone. They're gonna phone it in. And I wanted, I wanted to say earlier about the whole casting thing. I really admire actors because it's a tough business and you, they come into the room and you know, you see in their face that, you know, like, damn, I gotta get this part. And then when you say thank you, you gonna see a look in their face, is, 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 is heartbreaking. Yeah because uh, it's a tough business. And you know what their personal history is, but you, they, need, they need that job. And the rejection the actors had to go through. My man, you know what I'm talking about. How many, how many, before you got your first part? Before the Sex in the
3: City? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, many, how many auditions do you think you went to? Oh, I'm sure I've gone thousands, thousands. Thousands? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but for things that I would never get. Yeah. Yeah, because they have, they have castings when you're in New York City, so you're going in for like uh, Armageddon. You're like, you're not going to get Armageddon. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Pearl Harbor, the Ben Affleck role. It's like, yeah, I was never going to get that. Yeah. Spike, but I mean, they have to do those. But, things. but let me finish, no, though, please, please if, I, if I may. It's just, you don't get the
6: part. Again and again and again and again. I have sympathy for actors. Because they have to put up this rejection. Yep. And it's amazing, they aren't crazier than they are.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> but I understand it.
1: Mm.
6: To be told, and here's the thing. When you know you're right for that role, but for some other bullshit reason, you're not too small, too large, has nothing to do with the acting. That's the killer when you know that you're you, that is, then you see the film like, that's who they chose? <laughs> and you could be the best you can be, and it, 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 you have to understand that it, it, you know, it wasn't you. You weren't there looking for, or whatever it is. And, and so I just give a shout out to the actors. Are there any here in the room, because, uh, you know, it's, it's tough business, tough business.
1: You Why know, have, if, if, yeah, if one more thing about actors, and this amazes me, and they're not all actors, they have different styles. But there are many actors who want to keep feelings, you know, they want to know how to get them. Like they want to be, have access to like the moment. Remember the feeling you had when you heard your mom died in that car wreck? Well, they want to be able to get there. And they keep that. And the rest of us, we throw that away. We block that. We bury that stuff. And they keep all these emotions. And that is part of the nuttiness of some actors is that they've got so much up there that they can draw from to move their emotions that's all the over the place. And I don't have that. That's, you but know? that's why they're there. They're, they're, that's the job. That's yes, that's their job. And I admire them too. And, too. and it is the hardest job, I think, on the set is... Is what they're doing, I, I, I you know, and, and it is such a hard profession, and it's, you know...
2: Of course, directing is an easy profession, as you well, know, proving to us how easy... Here's my last question, yeah. although I wouldn't mind spending the rest of the afternoon with the five of you, because I wouldn't mind it. But here's the question, is, when do you know, in a take, you've got it? So you say, I'm moving on. Spike? It depends. I mean, there's... there's uh...
6: It's not just one answer. I mean, are we run out of late? You know, and we run out of light. You know, all that depends. You know, if you have time, sometimes you're gonna have the the, the luxury. But if, if Matty Labatique, if Ellen Curis, if you know my D P say, yo, Spike, we lost the light, then that's it. So it is so much stuff is situational. Yep. And it's the director's job, I feel, to be adaptable to, to the moment that you're in. So it's not just like this, just the way we do it, that's not the way. It's, it's what, there's a whole lot of variables that go and that, that impact the decision you have to make. So you're, you're dancing, you know, if it starts to rain or if something happens, it's like you were saying earlier, Alphonse, there's stuff that we can't control. You know, we can't control. So the stuff we control, we gotta handle that business.
2: Do you do many takes if you have the time? To, in the actor, not the actor. Got it?
6: You know, some people, everybody's different.
2: In this particular movie, did you? Because working with, for nah, example, takes. Nah. no, we were they a lot similar? of takes. They had to go. Got it. And was there any rehearsal time? I'd love to see. We had scene. two weeks rehearsal. And, and what happens in rehearsal time for you? We watch
6: movies. Movie specific to what we're doing. I remember we were doing uh, Inside Man. We watched Dog the Afternoon like three, four times.
2: And in this movie,
6: we did not watch Birth of a Nation
2: or Gone with the Wind. No, nah, nah. Nah, do huh. it it
6: But it, again, if you want to, every in rehearsal it doesn't mean exactly you have to be going over the lines. It was very crucial two weeks rehearsal for Adam Driver and John David, you know, to get that vibe, because if they don't, if we don't get it there, two weeks rehearsal is not going to be on the screen, and so it's not necessarily just going to lines, just you know, hanging out, talking, so you feel each other's energy, because mm-hmm. that's that's what film was recording. The energy that, that that the actors are giving you. So again, it, ha- it comes down to preparation. You know, you gotta you gotta do the work before before we start that first day of a uh, principal photography. Got it. Well
2: no spoken, man. Thank you, Alfonso. When do you know you have it?
5: Uh, I think it's more the question of why I what I don't have. You know, what I'm not exploring. You know, and that's uh, and what happens with that is that is uh, it's, it's about, you know, you feel you have it, but then I, I just want to make sure that I'm not, try- I'm not missing something, that I, there's something that I should explore. And sometimes what happens is after a couple of times that you try to explore things, you realize, now well, actually, I had it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, as Spike says, it, it, it depends on the situation. Sometimes, yes, the light is gone. You know, we, they kick us out of the location. You know, eh, the actor has to live. You know, eh, there's so many other o- other uh, elements. Why? So, uh, but the thing is, it's about that. It's about, eh, like this scene in the bird that you're talking about. I knew I had it from the get-go. You know, it was it was, and it was not repeatable. But I tried again because. Well, I'm a director, so I have to make life <laughs> difficult for people. Let's do it again a couple of times. And then I realized I was, I'm not going to get anything better. So you said I had it. I'm happy. That scene on the beach, I thought I didn't have it. Right, you know, sometimes it's, and you're surprised later on. And actually, so many times you're surprised with stuff that you hated on the set. Mm-hmm. Can I just
6: jump on that? I mean, brother man, it's amazing where... You see something, the next day, you're looking at it like, <laughs> no. it's not even like the same thing. Something happened overnight.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> There's some magic happening. And you're like, I mean, yeah. that's why I really... Or when
5: you put it in context, you are so happy with some moment, okay. or a moment that you love and the set, Then you see in daily, says, what did I like of this? <laughs> and then you put it in the context of the <laughs> whole thing, and says, oh good, that, it kind <laughs> of works. Okay, it works. Yeah. But alone, it doesn't. It, alone, for some reason, even if, the thing is when you're directing the moment, you're focusing the moment. When you're looking at dailies, you know, your, your, your mind is already in so many things, and you, you see a bit of film that you say, boof, you know, it's not, not a big deal. Got it, I got it. Adam, for you, when do you know you have it? I think it's, it's
4: that fine line between like a reasonable amount of variations, too many variations, and too few. You know, it's and in that sense of I think early on when I started directing, we got way too many variations like we would we would get different actors, line readings. We would get variations on the shot. We would improvise four or five different ways the scene could be. And and literally the first movie we did, we had enough footage to cut a second movie out of it. That's how much improv we did. And through the years, I think I've gotten smarter about like what realistically is in that pocket, like what's realistically in that key of this scene in this moment in the story. And I think you do get smarter about identifying that. And it's usually a conversation between the actors, the DP and myself. And there'll usually be that moment where it's like, does anyone else want anything out of this moment? Um, And usually, you know, by that time, the actors are like, I feel good, DP says I feel good, and then sound will raise their hand and ruin it, You you not have to do
1: it anymore. I, uh, you know, I always, I, I can see, I know it when I see it, but I will never move on until the actor knows it, because I don't want my actors lying in bed at night thinking, God I wish I could have done another take. I could have done better. So I'll always come up to them and say, I love it. You, you good? And, you know, 90 out of 100, 95 out of 100, yeah, let's go, move on. But sometimes I, I don't feel it. And I'm like, okay, let's do it again. And, you know, usually they get one or two more and then we, you know, they'll be done. But I want them to know they couldn't have done any better. They did it the way you know, and, and, and it is generally a very a very quick thing, unless you know you have a scene where somebody's like juggling balls walking across the room, and everything has to be in place. Vigo tells a very funny story when he was uh, a young actor. he had a very small po- uh, role on Miami Vice, and he had to be throwing a football with this guy next to him, and, and they're going, as they're walking down the street, and the guy dropped it, or he kept screwing the line up, and finally Don Johnson said. Hey, come on, dude, to Vigo. He said, just spit the line out. He says, this isn't, you know, Hamlet. And Vigo says, oh, I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and he said, and Don Johnson, to his credit, cracked a smile and said, touche. <laughs> and, and, uh, and uh, but, you, you know, it, it, is, it is a feeling of, you know, no, you know it when you see it, but I want that actor to feel good. And by the way, you raised a really interesting point, Alfonso, about. Seeing it live, and that is this. It's, it's a really interesting thing. When you are seeing it live, that day, as it's happening, especially this movie where I have, I have like two of the great actors on the planet, Mahershala and Vigo, working together, doing this thing, I felt like I wish everybody in the world could see what I'm seeing. Well, of course, there's the movie. that You can see that, but there's something about that immediacy, mm-hmm. that moment. Even now, when I see the movie, I think, oh, I remember that day. God, what a great day. You know, it was, we were driving through the sunshine and they were doing this thing and it was, it was just magical. And it's such a beautiful thing to, to experience firsthand. Uh, but it, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 sometimes, occasionally I'll do it, even when I know we have it, I'll think, I want to see that again. I want them to do it again, just because I'm loving what they're doing, even though it's perfect. I just think, let's do one more. And it's it, it, if it's a great scene. But anyway, that's you know.
3: That's I can no see idea.
2: them now both in the rain, and you're saying it yeah, yeah, repeatedly. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I don't Yeah. <laughs> Bradley, when do you um, got it? I definitely know when I don't have it. You know that that's the thing. It's and it's it, like it it or not it. It's more like when you're in the groove. You know, it really is rhythm. It's all rhythm. I think yeah. when you're shooting, and. Um, There's nothing more exhilarating when there's that synchronicity between the camera and the actors and everything and it's all grooving. I mean, that's sort of the moment you live for on set. And when that's happening, it's just infectious. Uh, And once you get into that groove, it's like you get into that gear and everybody's in that gear. Then then to me, that's when it's not uh, do we have it. It's okay. let's 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 see how much we can play in this groove. You know, and that, that's the thing that I absolutely love. And I was so blessed with the actors that I got to work with that were, you know, were able to get into that gear and then let's see where we can drive this thing. And then because of Maddie and Scott Sakamoto and Shelly, the crew that was just able to be so nimble, that, that that's the thrill. And then you're just sort of, you're, you're high off it. it. Well. Um, and when you're not there, you're very, you know, you're very aware because like it band, you're playing and it's not, you know, it's not grooving.
2: Well, clearly you all we're able to be in that groove and get us in the groove. And uh, you are remarkable filmmakers, and we are all appreciative of what you make and spending this time with us to share how you do it. So thank all five. Thank Thank Thank
3: you very much.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to part three of this exclusive discussion. You can watch the full video of the Feature Film Symposium on our website at dga.org slash events. Past episodes of The Director's Cut are available wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.